0: Anybody? Bueller? Okay, yeah. Are we all set? Good deal. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for making it uh, in the fog this morning. You know, for you out there on the Internet, all you probably hear about is thanks for coming in the snow, thanks for coming in the ice, thanks for coming in the fog. Hey, it's Iowa, right? So... Down in... New Zealand or so forth. They probably don't get the weather we get, but at least they get to hear about it on a regular basis. Okay, let's get started. Um, Most of you probably saw early this week, uh, Pastor Bill sent out an email. And uh, the uh, the idea of uh, just having classes on Wednesdays and Sundays is tentative. That will all be discussed at a deacon's meeting, which is going to be Wednesday night following class. And, of course, that's open to everybody here in the congregation. So just a quick note that uh, there is a deacon's meeting this week on Wednesday following class. And, of course, we're going to look at our class schedule and uh, determine what to do on the next steps. This is an expository-type teaching where we go through the different books of the Bible verse by verse. And we are currently in the study of Romans. And, of course, each week we pass out our grace and actions, which contain... Uh, a summary of the prior week's teachings as well as class notes for you to follow along this morning. Now, before we begin our Bible study this morning, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to be sure we are in fellowship with the Father. We do this by taking a moment of silence, allowing time for each one of us to privately confess any known sins to the Father. As stated in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And also, if there's anything bothering you, uh, possibly keeping your mind from listening to class this morning, as uh, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety upon the Lord because He cares for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you for this day that we may assemble together as fellow members of the body of Christ and study your almighty word. We give thanks for every individual you've led to your service here this morning, those among us in the chapel, those listening on the Internet, and for anyone who may hear this message at a later date. Thank you for our current study of Romans. We pray this service draws us closer to you and that you open our hearts and minds that we may hear what the Spirit has to say to us this morning. May we take what we have learned and apply it to our daily lives. Challenge us to extract our spiritual nourishment and to grow in grace and knowledge of our Savior. We ask that you continue to bring us wisdom and give us strength and perseverance in our trials. Help each one of us to learn the liberty of your grace, freeing us from legalism, works, and fears attacking us daily, always keeping you in thought and prayer, bringing glory to you. Thank you for providing us with every spiritual blessing. We thank you for the precious gift of your Son, providing us forgiveness of our sins and our so great salvation. We also give thanks for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, serving as our mentor and teacher and bringing your word alive for us. Thank you, Father, for the blessings and answered prayers of this ministry. Thank you for the provisions of this building and wish to meet on a consistent basis. We also give thanks for the individuals you've raised up in their positive volition to this doctrinal ministry, giving of their time, talent, and treasure. Continue to open the doors of opportunity for this ministry to proclaim the gospel message to the world. Thank you for the gift of our pastor and his faithfulness and dedication to teaching your word, supply him his spiritual and temporal needs, grant him encouragement through your word, offer him protection from the attacks of the enemy, and give grace to him that your message is spoken with accuracy and clarity, delivering your full counsel. We thank you for the blessings and privileges we have in the United States. We pray for our leaders, our president, vice president, and cabinet members. Give them wisdom, moral courage, and conviction in leading this nation according to your will. Thank you for men and women in the military service. Give them each courage, strength, and knowledge to fight the battle abroad, keeping our nation safe, knowing you are in full control. Thank you for those providing local services, such as law enforcement, firefighters, EMTs, and others who commit to our safety and security here at home. We pray for those who may be experiencing trials and tribulations at this time, whether it is health, financial, or anything that may be troubling. Lead them to your word for comfort and to continue forward in faith. Father, allow each one of us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's guidance and direction. Let us be thoughtful and considerate and do nothing to disturb or distract those who are serious students of the word of God. Father, we thank you for who and what you are. May honor and glory be yours. We offer you these prayers upon the merits of Christ, aware of being in union with him and seated at your right hand. In his glorious name we pray. Amen. Would you please rise?
1: Amazing grace. Sweet the sound That saves a wretch like me I once was lost But now I'm bound Was blind But now I see it was grace That taught My heart To feel And grace My fears Relieved How precious Did that Grace appear The hour I first Really no many dangerous just thousand years bright shining as my sun we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first was blind, but now I see it when I've lost all hope. When I'm feeling so very lonely I could cry, I could die I think back to the cross And then I know that I am loved When I think back to the cross It's then I know that I am loved I am loved Yes, I am love. In my darkest hours, when I feel that I've been abandoned and abused and accused, I think back to the cross. Then I know that I am loved When I think back to the cross It's then I know that I am loved I am loved with a love That resides in the nature of God I am loved with God willing to suffer willing to suffer for me yes I am loved oh I am loved I tell you one and all when you're feeling so very lonely you could cry You could die, just think back to the cross, and then you'll know that you are loved. Just think back to the cross, it's then you'll know that you are loved, you are loved with a love resides in the nature of God. You are loved by a God who was willing to suffer, willing to suffer for you. Yes, we are loved.
2: Good morning to all of you. Could you turn your Bibles to the book of Romans? Romans chapter 15, verse 14. Romans chapter 15, verse 14. Thank you, uh, Eric, for doing the slides. Trent doing the opening announcements and prayer. And also, Titus back there doing the sound. For all of you making it your way in through the fog, as Trent mentioned before. This morning, we're going to continue with our study of the book of Romans, as Trent also mentioned we're going to do that by noting the first part of Romans 15, verse 19. And in this passage, Paul writes that by the power of the Spirit, Christ performed signs and wonders among the Gentiles through Paul. We're going into the section of Romans where Paul. Start, one of the most great, one of the great things about Paul, is that in his writings, as he addresses, when he writes a lot of epistles, he addresses problems and difficulties. But while he's doing this epistle, right, he's giving you some insight into his view of ministry. Which should be our view of ministry from the pastor on down. We're all involved in full-time Christian service because we all have a spiritual gift as we use it as under the Lord. So Paul knew that, uh, Paul knew that the secret to ministry and to any success in ministry is by the power of the Spirit. Christ working in you through the power of the Spirit. We can do nothing of ourselves. We can, I can teach nothing. I can t- study nothing. and I am nothing without the power of God. And you are nothing without the power of God working through you. And then we get the power of God working through us. And Christ works uh, through us through the power of the Spirit when we learn the word of God and we obey it. And if we could sum up the scriptures, it's love for God and love for one another. Paul, as we've seen, had great love for the body of Christ. As Peter uh, Peter was told by the Lord, If you love me, Peter, you will feed my lambs. And Paul understood this principle taught in in John. And Paul loved the body of Christ. And now, in Romans 15, he's talking about his secret to ministry. He went through tremendous adversity, tremendous hardship, more than any other pastor in the 21st century has ever gone through, or any period of history. He was a man that suffered starvation, privation, Tremendous attacks and persecution from his, uh, his own countrymen As well as robbers When he traveled the roads of the Roman Empire It wasn't like it is today in America In the 21st century It was very dangerous He traveled from Jerusalem to Illyricum He traveled over 1500 miles He covered of his ministry Planting churches And planting in churches in hostile areas In heathen areas Who didn't know who Christ was And he came into those regions To proclaim the gospel He was a man that totally depended upon The power of the So the secret to ministry, the secret to any ministry, is the Spirit in Christ working through us. And we do that, we have that happen when we obey what the Spirit says to us in the Word of God, which is the mind and thinking of Christ. Now look at Romans 15, 14. He says, And concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. And so they were a mature church, characterized as mature church. That doesn't mean they were; they didn't have immature believers. They were a mature church. They were characterized as that. They're the antithesis of the Corinthians. The Corinthians caused Paul all kinds of problems. First and Second Corinthians, those two epistles had to deal with their, with their, the issues with those people. So Paul, he, the Romans, he was assured that, of these things because he had reports about them. They were a great church. Now he says, now the question arises, if they were such a great church, then why did he write them the things he did in the epistle? He says in verse 15, But I have written very boldly to you on some points so as to remind you again because of the grace that was given me from God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Ministering... As a priest, the gospel of God, so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. It will be the, the congregation, the Gentiles, would Gentile believers, and we're Gentiles. I don't think there's anybody Jewish here, but us Gentile believers, we experience our sanctification by listening to what the Spirit says to us in the Word of God. Then he says in verse 17, therefore, in Christ Jesus, or we could say, because I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. Is it all right for a Christian to boast? The Bible says it is. It says in 1 Corinthians 2, Paul quotes Jeremiah, that uh, he who boasts, let him boast that he knows me. And also Paul says, I boast in the things pertaining to God. What things pertaining to God? The things he mentioned in verse 16. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Ministering as a priest the gospel of God. So that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable. Sanctified by the Holy Spirit. That's the things of God. Paul was out about doing the Lord's business. He was out doing the Lord's business. And the Lord's business alone. And this is what he's saying here. I'm concerned about the things of God. Look at verse 18. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. There's the secret to ministry. Resulting in what? In the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. In the power of signs and wonders, he says. In the power of the Holy Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and round about as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Now that verse, verse 19, continues the description of the means by which Christ brought about the obedience of the Gentiles through Paul's ministry. For those of you who got saved in this ministry, for those of you who have grown up spiritually in this ministry, it's because of the Spirit working through me and working through you. That's a supernatural manifestation of the power of God in your life. See, we're looking for we're looking for the parting of the Red Sea, and we're looking for the miracles, people getting healed. And Paul did that. But the greatest miracle of all is if you get saved, and you get saved not because of the pastor's eloquence or the evangelist's eloquence, but the Spirit, and you respond to what the Spirit says, and the Spirit speaks to us through the gospel, and it's the Holy Spirit. So when you when you are saved and you're growing up spiritually, think back where you were ten years ago. Think back where you were you nine years ago. And look how far you have come. And that's all because of the Holy Spirit working through you. The pastor, the evangelist, he's just the, he's just the instrument that God's using. He's the man that God has sent. So Paul understood this here. The secret to ministry, it was the power of the, power of God. So verse 19 continues the description of the means by which Christ brought about the obedience of the Gentiles through Paul's ministry. Now the two prepositional phrases in this verse, In the power of signs, in the power of wonders, in the power of the Spirit. Define for the reader, the the prepositional phrase at the end of verse 18, which uh, says, by word and deed. If you look at verse 18, For I will not presume to speak of anything, except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles, by word and deed. Now he's going to explain what he means in verse 19. In the power of signs, and wonders, and the power of the Spirit. So that from Jerusalem, round about as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Now, In the Power emphasizes that divine omnipotence was the means by which Christ brought about through Paul the obedience of the Gentiles to the gospel and also produced the signs that Christ accomplished through Paul among the Gentiles. It was divine omnipotence. You know, you've got to come to a point, if you haven't found out already, That the Christian way of life is a supernatural way of life that demands a supernatural means of execution. So when God says to love one another, and some of us become obnoxious to one another, what do we do? The world says, I'm running. I don't like you. Instead of forgiving, as God and Christ has forgiven us. That's power. That's divine power. We need to do that. It takes divine power. We can't do that on our own strength. You've learned a great secret right there. If you found that out for yourself. Hey, we're all in a family of God. We're going to live with each other forever. And it takes power to love each other the way God asks us to. So God's not expecting you and me to love each other with human love and human strength. But human power, God's power and God's spirit. We can't do it on our own. So if you get frustrated and you say, I can't do this. It's just a manifestation by saying... Of course you can't do this You need me You need my power That's the secret That's the secret God's power So our Christian, We can't love without God's power We can't do any of that Now when I say about love God uh, And minister to people And serve people Look at the way Paul had to deal with people He dealt. If you look at the way he dealt with the Corinthians How did he deal with those people Who disrespected him I mean he's an apostle and He was a great apostle They disrespected him How did he handle that? He operated in love he loved them and he showed them love and he, he, he treated them as a father with their child or a nursing mother with her child. And that it's, it took divine power to do that. God doesn't expect us to do things in our own strength. Paul understood that. That's why he says here, in, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit. So in the power emphasizes that divine omnipotence was the means by which Christ brought about through Paul the obedience of the Gentiles to the gospel and also produce the signs that Christ accomplished through Paul among the Gentiles signs and wonders is a a phrase composed of the word, the noun, Simeon, translated signs and then with it we have the word teras which means wonders now this, when used together, these two words signs and wonders when it's used of the miracles of Christ and the apostles this word teras speaks of the supernatural character of a miracle whereas Simeon describes the miracles as confirmation of God's miraculous power present in the person who performed the miracle and served as proof of their divine authority. I'm going to show you something here. If you, look at, if you look at that word, the first word, signs, that's the word simeon. It talks about that when Paul, when Christ did a miracle in the power of the Spirit through Paul, that was confirmation that he spoke from God. Now, follow me here. The other word, wonders, talks about the supernatural character. Of the miracle he performed. Now, what about today? How do we know that a man comes from God? How do we know that he's speaking from the authority of God? You, if you benefited from his ministry and you've grown up spiritually, you get a greater, and you've grown in your relationship with God, or you get saved in this ministry, you're authenticating that that man comes from God because you've responded to his message. And you entered into the family of God through His power, and that man—that's how I don't do signs and wonders. I can't do—I can't heal anybody here. I can't do any of that. No man on earth can do that anymore. That was—those were signs to say that the man spoke from God. But today, how do you know that somebody speaks from God? The, the message he teaches, and the fruit of his ministry—that's how you know the guy's from God. Simple as that. So when you you use these two words together, signs and wonders, the the word signs talks about that the miracle was a confirmation that Paul spoke from God. The other one was described the miracle as having a supernatural character. In the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, that was the Bible that they used in the first century because most people in the church were Greek-speaking and they didn't speak Hebrew and this was their Bible. This is what they use. This is what Paul used the quote in Romans a lot of times. He quote from the Septuagint. That was their they couldn't speak Hebrew, the Old Testament. So they would it was Greek speaking. So they would this was their Bible. And in the Septuagint, these two words, signs and wonders, appear together in relation to the events of the Exodus generation with Moses. Also, these two words appear together in Acts 7:36. Stephen, the first martyr of the church, who was killed by a Jewish mob in rage. He used the word to describe the miracles that the Lord performed through Moses. They're used together in relation to the miracles of Jesus Christ, as well as in relation to the miracles accomplished by the apostle in his name, including the apostle Paul. They're used together by Paul to describe his ministry in Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 12, and 2 Corinthians 12, 12. Look at 2 Corinthians uh, 12, 12 on the board for the Net Bible translation. Indeed, the signs of an apostle were performed among you with great perseverance. He plowed through, no matter what the difficulties were, that's perseverance, by signs and wonders and powerful deeds. Look at Acts chapter 15. Hold your place. Go to the book before that. Look at Acts chapter 15. Look at verse 1. In Acts 15, Paul uses this word, these words together, signs and wonders. Now, this, this Acts 15 records the first church council, which came about because there were some in the church who believed that you had to get circumcised to get saved, or in addition to get, having faith in Christ, that you had to get circumcised. You've heard me talk about this many times. The Jews, see, the people who were Jewish, and they were in the law for so many years, they had a hard time breaking away from that. So Paul had, was Constantly being persecuted for that teaching that he said you're not saved by the law, keeping the law, but by faith alone and Christ alone. And he's, he's talking, he's defending his ministry, but, and he's telling these people about his ministry. Look at Acts 15.1. Some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them. Now these are believers. Sometimes dissension and debate have to take place. It's all right to have confrontation. Sometimes great things come from confrontation, and that's the great thing that happened in this confrontation. A good thing came out of it. So don't always think of con- uh, confrontation and dissension and, as a as a bad thing. In debate, it can be a healthy thing. Look at verse two. And when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. Let's settle the matter here. Therefore, being sent on their way by the church, they were passing through uh, both uh, Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. So they're saying, "God's working through us." How do you know that? Look at the people that are getting saved. That's how you know the the Spirit's working and po- God's power is working through the guy. Is people are getting saved and people are growing in spiritual maturity? That's that, that tells you the guy's from God. That's pretty. That's pretty amazing, huh? Look, at he says in verse 4, when they arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. Not to brag, but to inform them, to encourage them. That's why. He was not doing it to brag to anybody. Look at verse 5. But some of the sect of the Pharisees, who had believed, who believed in Christ, see, some of the Pharisees believed, stood up, saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to to observe the law of Moses and the apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter and there had been, after there had been much debate among these believers Peter stood up and said to them brethren and by the way when he talked about, they did they agreed to disagree they were, they were agreeable when they disagreed with each other okay they knew how to conduct themselves they were agreeable even though they disagreed with each other look at verse 7 after there had been much debate Peter stood up and said to them brethren you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by mouth, the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believed. And God, who knows the heart, testifies to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he also did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke, which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? Then he says, but we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in the same way they also are. All the people kept silent and they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating what signs and wonders God had done for them through them among the Gentiles. Same two words that we find in Romans chapter 15, verse 19. And on the board, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 12, he says, Indeed, the signs of of an apostle were performed among you with great Perseverance by signs and wonders and powerful deeds. Now, when people say that they're an apostle of Jesus Christ, they're misunderstanding. There's only 12 that are around. In fact, Judas was one of the 12, and he killed himself. He was an unsaved person. And Peter, uh, Paul is the one who was chosen as the next apostle. And people say, well, what about, Barn- uh, what about the, uh, the, uh, the guy they elected uh, and, and a- after the, uh, Judas died, and they, took a, they, uh, they chose Matthias by lot? Well, he didn't. One of the signs that authenticate a person as apostle is they do signs and wonders, and they seen the risen Christ. Matthias didn't, but Paul did. Those guys didn't wait for the Lord; they tried to get ahead of the Lord. Paul, the Lord had Paul in mind, not Matthias. So, Second Corinthians twelve twelve is a great passage. It says, "Indeed, the signs of an apostle were performed among you with great perseverance by signs and wonders and powerful deeds." Now, the following. Is a list of miracles performed by the Lord Jesus Christ through the Apostle Paul by the power of the Spirit. One, we have the blinding of uh, Alimus in Acts chapter 13, verses 10 and 11. There's a healing of a cripple in Acts 14, verses 8 through 10. There was miracles in Ephesus in Acts 19, 1 through 12. The raising of Eutychus in Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 12. And the miracles at Malta in Acts chapter 28, verse 1. In fact, uh, hold your place. Look at... uh, Acts, uh, Acts chapter nineteen verse one, please. This is an interesting passage. Acts nineteen verse one, right before Romans again. You're, actually, you should be in Acts. Acts nineteen one. Now, Paul he goes through a lot, a lot of persecution here, because let me tell you something. When you're doing the Lord's work, you're going to get persecuted. Paul knew that. The people around him knew that. You're going to go through difficulties in your life. You're going to get persecuted. They might not try to, to throw rocks at you like they did, but the enemy has other ways to persecute us. And if you're taking part in a doctrinal ministry and you're active in this ministry, there's going to be pressure. and There's going to be difficulties. We're going to have problems. And you're going, to have, you're going to have difficulties. And that's because you're taking part in a gospel ministry and that's the part of the ball game, from me on down. And this, these guys knew this, but they persevered through it. Look, it says in Acts nineteen one, it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. Ephesus is now in an area that is called Turkey. You know what Turkey is? Now look at verse 2. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no. We have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So I didn't even know the Trinity. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. So they knew John the Baptist. Paul said, John baptized with the, with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is in Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. And they were all, they weren't all about 12 men. And he entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months to the Jews. The synagogue is where the Jews met. Reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some were disobedient, had become hardened, and disobedient to the truth, they rejected the truth and now look what happens. They become antagonistic. Speaking evil of the way, before the people, he withdrew from them and he took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. This took place for two years so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Uh, go to Acts chapter 28. Notice that Paul, again, he's facing persecution. Look at Acts chapter 8, verse 28. Acts chapter 28, verse 1, excuse me. <coughs> now here's a miracle that happens through Paul. When they had been Acts 28:1, when they had brought safely through, then we found out that the island was called Malta. Paul was shipwrecked. Remember, he's on his way to be uh, brought before Caesar for his appeal. The natives showed us extraordinary kindness, for because of the rain that had set in and because of the cold, they kindled a fire and received us all. But Paul, but when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper, a snake, came out because of the heat and fastened itself on his hand. And when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they began saying to one another, Undoubtedly, this this man is a murderer, and though he has been saved from the sea, justice does not allow him to live. However, he shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. It was a miracle. Look at verse 6. But they were expecting that he was about to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had waited a long time and had seen nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and began to say that he was a god. So right there... We see that Paul performed a miracle. Now, the miracle, when he did it, when it happened to him, when Christ, through the power of the Spirit, did this miracle to Paul, and he wasn't killed by the snake. What it was, it was to get their attention. The miracles they performed were to get these heathen attention that we're speaking from God and listen to us. And, you know, it presupposes that these heathen knew that there was a God. Like in our day, they didn't have a lot of agnostics. They didn't have a lot because they knew there was a God. There was creation. They knew that to be But our day and age, we're so we're, we consider ourselves in, so intelligent that we think that there's no God. This has happened by accident. Well, the world back then, they didn't think that way. They knew there was a God. They just didn't know that the God was Jesus of Nazareth, and that to believe in Him, you could you could receive the forgiveness of your sins. Now, the gift of miracles mentioned in one Corinthians twelve twenty eight was a temporary sign gift that was given to the apostles to establish their authority as coming from God and was an instrument used to draw the unsaved to hear the message of the gospel and functioned only during the pre-canon period of the church age. Hey, a miracle, you could heal somebody with a miracle. They get, let's say they're crippled, they can walk. The disease they have, they have cancer, God heals them. But however, the, the greatest healing we need is salvation. So you can heal somebody, what good is that you heal somebody, and yet they go to the lake of fire because they rejected Christ. What's most important is the greatest miracle that they believe in Jesus Christ, respond to the gospel message, respond to the Holy Spirit who speaks through the gospel. Now in Romans fifteen nineteen, 19, you can go back to that passage. Let's, let's hop back over there. Look, we'll go back to Romans fifteen nineteen. Actually, look at verse 18. For I will not presume, verse 18, I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders. Now the word for signs there, Simeon, refers to the miraculous events contrary to the usual course of nature performed by the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit through Paul among the Gentiles that were intended, as I said before, to confirm that Paul was delegated authority by God to speak for him. It's very important... That God established, his author- that the, the established the authority of these men, and He did it among, when He's evangelizing through these, like Paul, Him and Barnabas. That the miracles were important to get them to understand that these men had authority from God. That's what this word is uh, and is emphasizing to us. Now, these miracles were intended to get the attention of the Gentiles and to confirm and to demonstrate to them the authority of an apostle delegated to Paul by the Father and the Son with a view to the Gentiles giving his gospel message by hearing and exercising faith in Christ. Now, this word, Simeon, signs, in Romans 15:19 denotes that the miracles that Christ performed through Paul among the Gentiles, through the power of the Holy Spirit, were a confirmation of the authority delegated to Paul by the Lord Jesus Christ. And they served as proof that he spoke for Christ and the Father so as to lead the Gentiles to faith. It, the noun, teras, the word for wonders there... Signs and wonders, wonders, teras, refers to the miraculous events contrary to the usual course of nature performed by the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit through Paul among the Gentiles, but from the perspective that it describes the supernatural character and nature of these miracles. Now, it speaks of a miracle from the perspective that it's designed by God to fill the witnesses and beneficiaries of the miracles with wonder in the sense of being filled with admiration, for God and amazement and awe of Him. Think about this. I I thought about this too. It's like we're, we'd be so impressed, wouldn't we, if let's say somebody was had cancer here and all of a sudden they were healed, or somebody was blind in here and you know we healed them, somebody healed them. We'd be so impressed with that. But we're not impressed, really. I mean, we think about it because we 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 want the miraculous, we want the the big show, because of the day and age we live in. We want the dog and pony show. But have we ever thought about what a great miracle it is that somebody gets saved in our midst? we had one of these funerals here and somebody came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? What a, that's the greatest miracle. We, we just saw a miracle take place in front of us that this person is trusted in Jesus Christ as a savior. And that's a greater miracle than the Lord parting the Red Sea, as you heard me say, because it takes two volitions involved. Where the miracle... With the part in the Red Sea or these miracles that the Lord performed through Paul or the Lord Jesus Christ performed as well, it only took God's sovereign will. His sovereign will is the only thing that's involved. When someone gets saved, it takes two wills, that of God's sovereign will and ours. So we've all been witness to a miracle. We are a miracle. We are a miracle. We're living proof that Jesus Christ does exist. That God does exist, that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit exist. Our salvation, the fact that we're saved, the fact that we're sitting here in a church worshiping the the Lord Jesus Christ, and we forget that is the reason why we come to church, is to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, right? That's why we come here. Now, the miracle is designed, we're talking in the context of Paul and his ministry, the miracle that he performed, the Christ performed through him, is designed to reach into the heart of the witnesses, to the miracle and beneficiary of the miracle and shake them up so that it overwhelms them with an emotion that is a mixture of gratitude, adoration, reverence, fear, and love for Him. In the power, go back, to, if you look at Romans 15, 19, you're still there, right? It says in verse 19, in Romans 15, 19, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit. In the power indicates that the power of the Holy Spirit was the means by which the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished through Paul all those words and actions, including miracles that led to the Gentiles obeying the gospel. See, Paul, Paul was so dependent upon this power. If you are in a situation, and you are in a difficulty, and you are under stress and duress, I think everybody is. We're all going through things, right? Know that this power is available to you. And you can go through anything. That was this, you know, power. Paul knew that this power was the what that got him to perform these miracles. He wasn't killing himself. He knew that it was God working through him with his power. But that same power that performed miracles is available to all of us now. Let me repeat that. The same power that is available to Paul when he performed those miracles is the same power that gets us through everything in life. Let me show you an awesome passage. We studied, we looked at this, in Thursday evening. Look at Philippians chapter four. Look at Philippians chapter four. Look at verse ten. Philippians four ten. Philippians four ten, but I rejo- now what's the context? What he's going to talk about here? Paul was in prison. Paul's chained to a Roman soldier here. Okay, now he's at, is anybody here chained to a Roman soldier here? Is anybody in prison right now? I'll tell you, I was watching a show about prisons last night. I'll tell you what, I'd rather be dead than go in one of those places. I would be dead meat. I'd be fodder for but- Bubba or something for crying out loud. Little guy like me, they'd be jumping on me like crazy. I mean that, but these guys. I mean prison. I mean Paul's in a prison. He's, he's, he has no freedom, and the attitude in, in the Philippians. Now this is funny. The Philippians were people who were lived in the Balkans. Uh, they were the first church in Europe. Okay, they're north of Greece. You know where the Balkans are. And Paul, he had remember he established a lot of churches: Corinth, Galatia, uh, the Ephesus. Now these guys, Philippians. They're called the Macedonians in 2 Corinthians 8. They were an amazing church. and Macedonians because that's the province they lived in, the Roman province of Macedonia. Corinthians live in the province of Achaia. Okay, they didn't have states, Rome, but they had provinces like Canada. Now, these people, they were very, they loved Paul so much that they sought out what was going on with Paul. He, they, they f- try to find out what does this guy need. We heard about that he's in prison, but what does this guy need? we got to find out what he needs. He Maybe he needs help. Now, he's not, he's not sending them a letter saying, okay, this is what I need. They're finding his needs out. And they, and this is amazing. Look at this, Philippians 4.10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last you've revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. They didn't know where he was. Not that I, Not that I speak from want, Look, he says, I'm, he says, not that I speak from want, because he's learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. This is coming to the power of God thing. The same power that he used to perform miracles allowed him to get through every situation. So he says, not that I speak from want, because I can get along with little or a lot. It doesn't matter to me. I'm, I've learned to be content. I wasn't born this way. I had to learn. The Lord had to teach me this. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Now, he's going to give extreme circumstances that he went through because he's leading up to a principle he's teaching them. Thank you for the gift that you gave me. Thank you for seeking out and finding out by my needs. But I want you to know that I can still get by even if you don't give this gift because I know the secret to living in this life, whether in extreme deprivation or great prosperity. Look at verse 12. I know how to get along with humble means and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret. And by the way, he's talking about poverty and prosperity. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. Both having abundance and suffering need. Not, not, not lust, or, you know, hey, I want, I, want a, I want a couple of motorcycles. It wasn't one of those deals. It was needs, essentials that he needed. And he was, he was deprived of those. Look at verse 13. Here's the secret. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Strengthens me is talking about God's power. Who's him? Christ. Christ is the... Same miracles... That he performed in the power of the Spirit, Christ performing the miracles through him in the power of the Spirit, was the same power that got him through his de- his extreme poverty and prosperity. No matter what take, hey, it takes, divine power to get through prosperity because prosperity is probably the greatest test. When things are going bad, I don't know about you, but but I'm running to God when things are bad, and when prosperity, a lot of times we have a tendency to run the other way. But he's he's saying here. That this, this, this divine power is what the same power that gave him miracles, performed the miracles to him, was the same power that enabled him to get through his dad's adversity and his extreme adversities. This is telling us all something. That this is the power that's available to us. If you're, if you're suffering physically, emotionally, you're lonely, you're, 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 having, a, you're having a problem and difficulty... In your personal life, in the life of the church, or you're, 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 you don't know your future, you're in turmoil, God's power will get you through it. I can tell you He can get you through it. And a lot of you could say the same thing. A lot of you have been through divorces, you got through it. You've gone through problems in your personal life. You've gone through personal problems that Stuff you brought on yourself God's power got you through that You've gone through bouts with alcoholism Maybe even drug abuse You've gone through bouts of loneliness and despair And financial problems And God got you through it And I can say the same thing I've been through You want to, I've been through uh, bankruptcy I've been through uh, people abandoning me Or my friends uh, Criticizing me behind my back I mean, come on And how did you get through that, Bill? God's power Forget about the looking at every, everything around you. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your eyes on the Lord. And it's God's power will get you through it. Look at 2 Corinthians. Look at 2 Corinthians. Look at chapter 12. He talks about this again. He was suffering greatly, physically. Look at verse 7. 2 Corinthians twelve seven. Again, it's all about this power. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. And, if you're going through something, right? We, we, we're all going through stuff, right? Rejoice. And hey, one of the things Jody does in our prayer meeting, we have our prayer meeting on Wednesday after class, corporate prayer meeting. She always says, I love it when she says this, thank you, Father, for the adversity and adversity and prosperity. I love that. She gets it. It's like, why? Here's why, because she understands this passage. Jody does. Second Corinthians twelve, seven. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, he talks about in the first six verses, for this reason, to keep me from getting arrogant, there was given me a thorn in the flesh. What it is, we really don't know. A messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. Take this away from me. You ever had something that says, take this away from me. It might not be a physical illness, it might be a financial thing. Take this away from me. Give me, I get it, I get me out of this. You ever gone through that? Yeah. We all have, right? Or there's there's some kind of situation. You're so lonely, you're so you, you, you want to have find somebody, you want to have a wife, you want to have a kid, you want to have a husband, and you, it, it's just not happening. It's like, ah, let me get me out of this. Look at what he says here. This, let's just let's, let's put ourselves in this thing, right? He says in verse 9, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. You'll get by. You might not have filet mignon. Hey, macaroni and cheese ain't bad. At least you got something. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. When we're weak, then he, his power can step in And take us through it. We got an eagle painted up on the wall here. Wayne Larson, who sat here many times every night, he'd come here, and he would—he would always love that Isaiah 40 passage. You know why? And I love it too. It's because it talks about—you know—when you're fainting, you feel like you're going to quit, you want to cash in, and like you get—you jump it on. He he who trusts the Lord will like on eagle's wings rise up. And he'll get through the adverse, take us through the adversity. The eagle represents God's grace and God's power. Those majestic eagles with grace and power that symbolizes God's grace and power can get us through anything. Now, what the heck happened here? Look at, look at, (laughs) so he says, my power is, is perfected in weakness. Look, he says, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses. And that could be anything. What is causing you to be weak? Why? Why does he boast about these things? So that the power of Christ may dwell in me. We all want to glorify God, but sometimes God wants us to, has to weaken us to do that. Sometimes he has to weaken us to do that. Hey, it's like I said Thursday with Sharon. Sharon, in weakness, look at it. Look at the stroke she went through and never complained and got through the adversity. All through the time, got through the adversity through the power of God. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Look at verse. And if she told you, she would tell you. She told me many times that I'm glad it happened because it, it, it got her to a certain point spiritually. It, she's been blessed by it, actually. Look at verse 10. Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecution. So if people are, are, are we, uh, insulting you, hey, get, hey. Sometimes people don't know the whole story. God knows the whole story. Don't worry. God will take care of the situation. Distresses? You're distressed about something? With persecutions? People are persecuting you? With difficulties? For Christ's sake, he says, "When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Then, I, when I'm weak, then I'm strong." Now, go back to Romans fifteen nineteen. We'll wrap this up. Romans fifteen nineteen. So he says, "In the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit." Now, this particular phrase, in the power, again, indicates that the power of the Holy Spirit was the means by which the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished through Paul all those words and actions, including miracles, that led to the Gentiles obeying the gospel. It is related to the expression by word and deed in Romans 15, 18 at the very end, describing the power of the Holy Spirit as the means by which Christ accomplished through Paul all those words and actions that led to the Gentiles obeying the gospel. It denotes that the power of the Holy Spirit was responsible for the miracles, the signs and wonders that Christ performed through Paul among the Gentiles, resulting in them giving the gospel a hearing and obeying it. It also indicates that the power of the Holy Spirit was responsible for all those words and actions that Christ performed, performed through Paul that led to the Gentile obedience to the gospel. It indicates that the power of the Spirit was responsible for every word and action that Christ accomplished through Paul that led to Gentile obedience to the gospel and not just the miracles. So the prepositional phrase and the power of the Spirit in our verse, it makes crystal clear that the power of the Holy Spirit was responsible for the success of Paul's ministry to the Gentiles. And as we saw, it was the the secret to his success in getting through his personal adversities. And so we learn the lesson that secret to Christian ministry is the power of the Spirit. The secret to getting through adversity in life and difficulties and turmoil is the power of the Spirit. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time to study your word. We thank you for every single one of your people that are here this morning that have ventured in to hear the word of God. We thank you for them, and we just thank you and praise you for giving us this message here this morning through the power of the Spirit. And we pray that it would speak to all of our hearts, and we just lift up our congregation, Father, and we just pray, Father, that you would deliver us from every adversity and difficulty. Help us to love each other with the love of your Son and the power of the Spirit. And help us to go through whatever we have to go through, whether as an or as a church, dependent upon your power and your grace, just like your servant Paul did as well. So in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now could, for, could uh, ushers come forward for the Sunday morning offering and could uh, Trent come up? Thank you.
0: Now, as we take part in our offering, please remember that uh, your giving is what helps make the needs of this ministry and allows us to move forward each day, as well as, uh, you know, get the gospel out to the rest of the world. So uh, let's bow our heads for the offering. Father, we pray this offering that would be given out of love and appreciation for you and your son, Jesus Christ, and all that you have done for us. Father, thank you for those who take part in giving, as well as those who continue to offer their time and talent to meet the needs of this ministry. Thank you for the blessings and answered prayers of this church, allowing us to meet our daily needs and to continue to provide the gospel message to the world. Thank you, Father, for those in our service this morning and for our extended congregation for their faithfulness and dedication to this ministry from around the world. In the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
2: I was
1: sure by now that you would have reached down And wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day But once again, I say amen And it's still raining And as the thunder rolls I barely hear you whisper through the rain you. And as your mercy falls, I raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. And I'll praise You in this storm, and I will lift my hands. You are who You are, no matter where I am, and every tear I. You hold in your hand you never left my side and Though my heart is tall, I will praise you in this storm I remember when I stumbled in the wind You heard my cry, you Raise me up again My strength is almost gone How can I carry on I can't find you And as the thunder rolls I barely hear you whisper through the rain I'm with you And as your mercy falls I raise my hands Praise the God who gives And takes away And I'll praise you in this storm And I will lift my hands For you are who you are No matter where I go And every tear I've cried You hold in your hand You never left my side You know my We'll praise you in this store. I lift my eyes into the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I lift my eyes into the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker. I'll praise you in this storm I will lift my hands For you are who you are No matter where I am In every tear I cried You hold in your hand You never left my side Though my heart is torn I will praise you in this storm
2: Thank you,